want to be like Jesus. So thankful. Praise God. Thank you, praise team. You couldn't have set up what I'm going to teach on tonight any better than what you just did with those two songs because that goes right along with what I'm going to share with you tonight. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Nick. Appreciate our, all of our pastor team. Y'all know our pastors at General Conference tonight. And uh, let's pray they have an awesome time up there and have safe travels home. But I want to call your attention to the word of the Lord tonight, the book of 2 Peter, chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 8 and 9. And uh, what I'm going to be teaching on tonight, certainly not a new topic, that's for sure. In fact, you might call it elementary or foundational, but sometimes we need to go back and revisit some of those foundational things. Second Peter chapter 3, he says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but he is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. Aren't you thankful for that? says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Father, Lord, I thank you for your word tonight, God, and I thank you, Lord, for the gift of repentance, Lord. God, I'm thankful, Lord, for the opportunity of grace you give us, God. And, Lord, we're so thankful for your presence that's here tonight. I ask you to bless your word, touch every heart here tonight, and let your word find a lodging place and let it be mixed with faith in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. I want to teach tonight on the subject of repentance. Uh, the word repent or repentance is found in the Bible 105 times, quite, quite a few times. It's found 40 times in the Old Testament, and it's found, excuse me, 45 times in the Old Testament, and it's found 60 times in the New Testament. And the ability or the opportunity to repent is one of the most valuable opportunities given to man by God. In fact, it is the most important decision you will ever make. It's the most important opportunity that you will ever have. There's nothing you will ever decide that is more consequential than the choice you make to turn from your sins and to follow Christ. That's the most important decision you'll ever make, bar none. It's more important than who you marry. It's more important than where you go to school. And it's more important than what you choose to do for a living. Now, don't get me wrong. Those are important things right there. But it's more important than any of those things. And it's at the very center of the message that we preach and teach. It's foundational. There's no getting around it. And there's no salvation without it. You can't be saved without repentance. You can't be saved without repentance. So what is repentance? Repentance is a choice one makes to forsake their sins and to follow Christ. Someone has said it's an about face, like a military term, about face. 
It means to turn from one direction and to go another. It means to turn to God. And when we repent, there's a turning from and a turning to. We turn from some things and we turn to others, Brother Jared. We turn from our sins and we turn to the Lord. And there's some important elements to repentance that we need to understand. Number one is contrition or godly sorrow. Repentance includes godly sorrow. Number two, it includes confession of our sins. Number three, it includes faith in God and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number four, it includes reformation. And reformation means an actual turning from doing the things that we know are not right and to do the things that we know that we should do. And number five, it includes a transformation, a change in our hearts, a change in our way of thinking, a change in our lives. When we truly repent, you know what the fruit of repentance is? You don't continue doing the same old things you've been doing. I mean, that's what the fruit of repentance really is. When we truly repent, we don't continue living the same old life. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. He says, this is Peter preaching, he says, Repent and be converted. To be converted means to be changed. There's a change that's supposed to take place when we repent. And it's a work of the Holy Ghost on our heart that changes us and causes us to want to forsake our sins and to embrace what is good and what is right. The Greek word for repentance means to think differently, to make a reversal of one's actions. Now, you cannot reverse the actions of the past, only the actions of the present and the future. Forgiveness takes care of the rest. Now, do you hear what I said? You can't reverse what you've already done. When God forgives you, you've got to forgive yourself also. And when you repent, God does forgive, and he forgets it, and then we should also put it behind you. It's done, and it can't be undone. There are things I've done that I would be ashamed of for them to parade across this screen up here. I would be completely ashamed. But I cannot change the things that I've already done, but I can give it to God in repentance and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And when God has forgiven you, don't let the devil keep accusing you and beating you over the head about something that God has already forgiven you of. How do I know God has forgiven me? Because his word says it. His word says if we confess our sins, he is faithful to do what? To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So repentance is at the center of the message preached by the New Testament church. 
The New Testament begins telling us about a character by the name of John the Baptizer. John the Baptist. And John the Baptist came on the scene, St. Mark chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. It says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. John the Baptist preached repentance. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he begins his ministry in St. Matthew chapter 4. And the Bible says, verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is what Jesus went around doing. Jesus went around preaching that men should repent. St. Mark 1, 14 and 15. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Jesus preached that men must repent and believe the gospel. Now notice there, he said repent and believe the gospel. That's because faith and repentance are connected. Repentance isn't effective without faith, and faith is meaningless without repentance. you got to have them both. And then Jesus, the time came that his ministry on earth was finished. He was crucified. He rose again. And then before he ascended back to heaven, he gathered his disciples together, and he gave them what we call the Great Commission. Now, the Great Commission was him talking to them, setting them down and saying, Guys, this is your job, what I want you to do while I'm gone. In Luke's version of it, Pastor Nick, in verse 24, 46, 47, Jesus said to them, Thus it's written, thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So Jesus charged us to go and preach repentance and remission of sins in his name to all people. Praise God. Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 through 20. It says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know that every one of us have been given a ministry, and it's called the ministry of reconciliation? What is that? Those are big words. Reconciliation. It's about God has given every one of us the responsibility and ministry of helping him to reconcile humanity to himself. It's the ministry of reconciliation. And there's no reconciliation without repentance. Repentance. And he goes on, verse 19. The ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing or charging their trespasses to them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. 
Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. In other words, we stand here as Christ's ambassador pleading with you on Christ's behalf to get right with God. Be reconciled to God. Repent, for he has made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Praise the Lord. So the message of reconciliation is that Christ has taken on our sins and repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. You can't get away from repentance. It's at the very core, the very heart, the very center of what the gospel is all about. We can go through the motions and, and we can, uh, a person can go through the steps of salvation and all this, but if we don't repent, everything revolves around repentance. Baptism revolves around repentance. Re baptism revolves around two things, faith in Christ and repentance. And repentance is incomplete without being followed by water baptism, and water baptism is ineffective without repentance. You can't separate the two. They go together. A lot of people want to separate them, and it's, okay, it's repentance or it's baptism. No, it's repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So they, they go together. And another thing, you can't receive the gift of the Holy Ghost without repentance. Now, you can receive the Holy Ghost before you're baptized. Now, that don't mean baptism is not important. The Bible says he commanded them, Acts, Acts chapter 10. But you can receive the Holy Ghost before you're baptized, but you can't receive the Holy Ghost before you repent, Brother Jared. You can't receive the Holy Ghost before you repent. Repentance is like the wheel in the middle of the wheel. So you got to repent. And, and repentance is a beautiful thing, for Jesus says, St. Luke 15 and 10, Likewise, I say to you that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Praise God. Aren't you think? Think about that for a second. When you repented, the Bible says there was joy in heaven. There's joy among the angels when one person comes down to an altar and repents. And I said come down to an altar. That's a figurative. You can repent at home. You can repent up here. We'll call this the altar. You can the altar's in your heart, really. But there's joy among the angels when one repents. So what's the effects and results of repentance? Repentance involves being changed inwardly. But our lifestyle changes outwardly in an observable way when we repent there's a lifestyle change there's a change in our conduct there's a change in how we live there's a change in how we walk and how we talk you know somebody you're working with and they cuss like a sailor and they're mean as a snake and all of a sudden they come to work and something different about them they're not talking like they used to talk and they're not acting like they used to act why? It's because the Spirit of God's got a hold of them. And they've came to this thing called repentance. And they've experienced a conversion, a change in their heart. 
Romans 13 and 12 says, Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So repentance involves turning from some things and turning towards other things. I'll just give you, this is a little list. I mean, there's other things, but when we repent, we turn from stealing. We turn from lying. We turn from cursing. We turn from fornicating and adultery and drugs and alcohol and smoking and gambling and witchcraft and backbiting and sexual immorality and pornography and dishonesty and hatred. We turn from the works of darkness and we turn towards the Lord Jesus Christ and a lifestyle of righteousness and holiness and serving God and serving others and loving our fellow man and doing what is right and what is good, both Paul and John the Baptist said, bring forth fruits or works, meet for repentance. In other words, let your actions demonstrate that you have truly repented and are sorry for your past sins. There should be a demonstration from darkness to light, a changed man. Paul said we put off the old man and we put on the new man. Ephesians 4, 22 through 32. He says that you put off concerning the former converse or the former lifestyle, you put off the old man. How many did some putting off one day? I hope all of us have. If we're saved, we all have, okay? That's one thing I can unanimously say. If you're saved, you have did some putting off at some point in your life. We put off the old man, the old lifestyle, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Verse 23, if y'all can get that up there, Ephesians 4. Verse 23, he says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So you put off the old man and you put on the new man. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We put off the old man, and we put on the new man. And when we truly repent, we get a love for God and the things of God. We get a love for what's holy and for what is right. We get a love for church. We get a love for prayer. We get in our hearts a love for worship, a love for praise. You know, there was a time in my life, Brother Brandon, there was a time in my life when I couldn't have dreamed that I would be in, well, I sure couldn't have dreamed I'd be in church teaching or preaching or anything, but I couldn't have even believed I would be coming to church loving church, loving worshiping, 
Love and praising God. You see, that's what happens. He, he changes our heart, and you find the things that you once hated or that you once loved, now you're not interested in. And things that once didn't interest you, now you love those, those very things. That's what true repentance does inside our heart. The Bible says that he takes his laws and he writes his laws in our heart. He takes out the stony heart and he puts, this, puts in us a heart of flesh, a, a tender, a tender heart. And repentance isn't just for sinners. Repentance is also for the church. Now, I've been redeemed, washed by the blood, filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized, Brother Marshall, in Jesus' name, since 1983. That's been a few years ago. How long is that? 21 and 17. 38 years. Okay, you can figure out my age there, too, if you do that. Double nickel. I'll click over one next month. But... There's been a few times during that time I've needed to repent, Brother Anthony, and I have repented. In fact, there's not many weeks that go by, and I'm not out living a sinful life, I promise you, but there's not many weeks that go by that God, Brother Marshall, doesn't convict my heart about something. It may be an attitude. It may be a thought. It may be an unkind word or a display of temper, and he, he pricks my heart, Brother Jared, and and, and all of you know what I'm talking about because anybody that's sincere walking with God, you experience this. And, and you do this, and it pricks your heart, and you say, God, forgive me. Help me, Lord, to be like you. Help me to, help me to do right. So repentance is not just for sinners. It's for the church. We all at times need to repent. Who besides me ever needs to repent? So I just know I'm not by myself. Thank you. <laughs> we all at times need to repent it may be a wrong attitude unkind words or you may have allowed yourself to be overtaken by temptation of the flesh but God will forgive you if you will repent if you will confess and repent we already quoted the scripture if we first John 1 and 9 if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins you don't have to go back and get baptized again you get baptized in Jesus' name one time, the right way. You don't have to go back and get baptized over and over and over. If I had to get baptized every time I've ever sinned or messed up, man, y'all would have about drowned me by now because I've made plenty of mistakes in those 38 years. But the Bible says if we confess our sins, guess what? The blood of Jesus washes us and cleanses us and forgives us. And God is merciful and God gives us space to repent it's his grace he gives us opportunity to repent but if this is serious right here because this is eternal stuff but if you hold on to your sins and if you try to hide and cover your sins and worse than that if you began to justify and deny the wrongdoing of your sins, then God will not pardon you, and you're right to fall under deception. Now, did y'all get that? The only sins God can forgive are sins that we repent of, sins I hide and cover up. 
sins that somebody may be doing that nobody else knows or never would believe that they're doing it and they're hanging on to it. God can't forgive those sins. He'll forgive when you repent of it. When you get honest before God and you say, God, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, please forgive me. God will forgive you, and I don't care what it is that you've been doing. The blood of Jesus Christ bought and secured that pardon for us. And it matters. It doesn't matter how deep and how dark and how dirty the sin is or was. God will forgive when we confess and repent. But if we begin to justify and deny and cover up, and even begin to justify the wrong of our sins, then that's a very dangerous place to go to because you can fall under strong delusion and deception and believe a lie and be damned, the Bible says, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. But I thank God for the opportunity to repent. Romans 2 and 4 says that it is the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance. We didn't repent because we're good and one day we just decided on our own, I'm going to change my way of living and I'm going to start doing right and living right. And on our own, we reformed and changed ourselves. No, that ain't how it happened. You did have to make a choice. That part's right. But you repented if you've repented and you know the Lord and you've been born again, it's because the goodness of God led you to repentance. It's because the grace of God drew you to repentance. And it's God's goodness that leads us to repentance, and it's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Praise God. So it's God's goodness that moves on our hearts and causes us to feel contrition over our sins. Contrition, brokenness, godly sorrow. The word contrition means to feel remorseful or penitent, remorseful over something that we have done. And let me tell you, contrition or, or feeling remorseful is not a bad thing if you've done wrong. It's a good thing. You should feel remorseful. You should feel bad about what you've done you should feel a desire to want to make it right and get it right with God but don't let the devil kill you with that remorse and let it keep beating you over the head over and over and over again after you've repented and confessed now I know I've messed up before and believe me God's word says he forgives when we repent but the devil sometimes will try to he will try to pound you with that and he'll try to make you doubt and say, did God really forgive me? You know, and he'll try to beat you over the head with condemnation. But that's not from God. That's from the enemy. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. But contrition. Psalms 34 and 18 says, The Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart, and he saves such as of a contrite spirit. Psalms 51 and 17, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O oh God, thou will not despise. But contrition and godly sorrow leadeth to true repentance. Talking about repentance is for the church. Jesus told Pastor Nick 
five of the seven churches in Revelation, Brother Marshall, chapter 2 and 3. Five of the seven in his message to them, he told them that they needed to repent. Ephesus, remember from whence thou art fallen and repent. Pergamos, a church that allowed false doctrine in it. Repent or I will come and fight against you with the sword of my mouth, the word of God. Thyatira, Revelations 2, verse 20 through 22, the church of Thyatira. He says, notwithstanding, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman, Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Sardis, remember from what you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. Laodicea to the church that felt it needed nothing. In Revelations 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Notice that in every one of these examples, when they messed up and done wrong, God didn't immediately pour judgment upon them. God didn't pounce on them and immediately bring judgment up on them. And every one of these examples, even though it was shameful and sinful activity going on in a few of these examples, but the Lord in every instance, he gave opportunity to repent. He says to that woman Jezebel, I gave her space. I gave her space to repent. But she repented not. So repentance is for the church, is for sinners, is for everybody. And the last point I'm making, and I'm coming to a close, is repentance is only, and I hate ending on such a serious note, but it's a serious topic. Repentance is only available for a temporary period of time. Repentance is only available for a temporary period of time. Everyone everywhere will eventually attempt to repent. But it makes all the difference in the world when you do it. Jesus, I read a very interesting thing, Brother Marshall, this week in Brother Daniel Seagraves, one of his books. And he brought out something to me I'd never noticed before. He was teaching on the scripture in the book of St. Luke. Jesus went into his hometown of Nazareth. And he went in, and they handed him the scroll, Brother Anthony. It fell to the book of Isaiah. And Jesus read Isaiah's prophecy about the Messiah, which, of course, was about himself. Jesus stood up and read it, read it in Luke 4.17. If I just read this to you, it says he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now hold that thought. 
proclaimed the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You know what's interesting about that passage of scripture? Is Jesus quoted Isaiah's prophecy about himself, but he left out one point at the very end. He said, He said, He has sent me to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and sat down. You know what the next statement said in that prophecy? To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Why didn't Jesus read that part at that time? Because in his first coming, he came to do all the former. In his first coming, in the time between him having gone back and his second coming, is the time of the salvation and of the liberty and of setting free those who are oppressed and the proclaiming of the acceptable year of the Lord. At his first coming, Jesus came to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. But at his second coming, he's going to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. So you, you see the timing. It's all about the timing. And friends, we're living in the time. And I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping it up. Friends, we're living in the time of the acceptable year of the Lord. We're living in the day of salvation. We're living in the day of grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, last scripture I'm going to read, verse 1 through 2. Paul said, We then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is, today is, the day of salvation. God has a window of time. Y'all know what a season is. We're leaving one season. Well, we already left it. We've left the season of summer, and we've entered into the season of fall. And pretty soon, guess what? Fall will come to an end. And winter will begin. And then we'll go through winter and it'll come to an end. We're in a season of time. It's called the acceptable year of the Lord. It's the day of salvation. And we're living in the time period. We're living in the day of grace. And hear me, we're living in the time in which God is hearing prayers of repentance today. God is saving and forgiving people today. And God is filling people with the Holy Ghost today because we're still in the acceptable year of the Lord today. But God said in Revelations 2, I gave that Jezebel space. I gave her space to repent, but she repented not. Oh, let's don't ever let it be said. Brother Beecham's coming. He's going to close and we're going to lead us in a prayer of corporate repentance before we close this out tonight but don't ever let it be said of any of us that Jesus would say about Todd Rosal or any of you I gave him space to repent I gave her space to repent I gave her time I gave him opportunity to repent but he repented not Let's don't ever let that be said of any of us. That's a serious note and a very serious thing. But let's all stand and we're going to close it out tonight each in our own way. We're going to just pray a prayer of repentance.
If there's anything I asked you tonight before Brother Beecham comes, if there's anything in your heart that you know is not right, if there's anything that you've done or that you're doing that you know is not right, if there's anything you're hiding or covering up, this is the time to be open before God and say, God, just like the songs that they let us in says, I surrender all and to be like you, Jesus. This is a time. We're living in the time of salvation when we can say, Lord, here it is. I've messed up, but I give myself to you. Forgive me, Lord, and I'll praise you and serve you and live for you. Brother Beecham's coming.